Hey, welcome back to the episode of the Five Tool Podcast. I'm Dustin McComas, joined once again, as always, by Drew Bishop. This is episode 93. We have made zero progress on how we're going to celebrate episode 100. Uh, (laughs) So we need to add that to a a pretty extensive um, off-season to-do list, uh, which is good. We've got a lot of really, really exciting things cooking um, in the background that you guys uh, aren't aware of yet, but we're super fired up about. But uh, first off, Drew, how's everybody doing? How, how you hanging in there? We we are good. Um, everyone, knock on wood, is healthy. Um, unfortunately, unlike your your house has been, but hopefully we're on the back side of that for y'all. Yes. Yeah. So. Uh, <laughs> Uh, for the third consecutive podcast, I'm going to spend a, a, at least a minute venting. Um, I don't know what I, like what I did to deserve deserve <laughs> this string of just like bad luck recently. So um, fortunately, Lucy, our five month old, um, is testing negative. She's good. Defeated RSV, defeated COVID, and she never really was in bad shape at all. Besides the one time we had to take her to the ER, and she was thankfully fine after that. It was the only time she had a fever. It's the only time she had breathing issues. Um, so she's been great. So we're fired up. It's like, oh, you know, we get to take him, we get to take her to school. You know, Jack, you know, bless my uh my uh in-laws, you know, hearts. They've been watching him and hanging out with him, and we've kept him away from Lucy and us. So he's he's been COVID negative. So we're like, man, you know, we're we're gonna have a day where they're both at school for a change, you know, and we could kind of take a deep breath and focus on you know, every, all the stuff that we need to do. So we, we take her to school and we get, we get a call, um, from, from, uh, my wife's dad, uh, Jack threw up in the car on the way to school. It's like, you've got to be kidding me. Um, so he kept him home from school and turns out he was fine. Uh, no fever, no anything. I think he just had a bunch of congestion and he ate a huge breakfast. And I think the car and it just kind of messed with him a little bit. Um, cause we were terrified cause they had their Christmas pageant today. We were like, Oh, we just, he's going to be devastated if he can't go. So kept him home from school. So we had to go over there and watch him and I'm wearing a mask and keeping my distance from him. Um, and Lucy's at school and we, and we get a text from the school at 11. Hey, a water main broke. You have to come get <laughs> your kid. He's like, you got to be kidding me. Oh, so we had Thanks. to go over and get Lucy and it's like, Oh, here we are again. But uh christmas pageant was great today like i didn't have you gone to anything like that for koi because this was the first time we'd ever been able to go to one because like obviously with covid that they didn't they didn't do one well they did one last year but it wasn't open to guests and they didn't do one the year before that so this was our first pageant for our kids and uh man you don't realize how much you enjoy that like 45 minutes until you go do it it's it's pretty incredible yeah, no, we, we haven't had any like programming stuff like that, but we've had a little, like some holiday meals and stuff. And uh, there's always a sign that says, please stay off the stage, which of course <laughs> means Koi runs straight for the stage. So the right. last one, I don't even think I got to sit down because I just played defense to try to keep him from running up on the stage while uh, while we were there. So yeah, no, but no official programming yet. This is like Christmas dress up week and we didn't realize it until today. So he's been uh <laughs> he has he hasn't gotten to dress up the first three days of the week. So hopefully we can catch up on the next two days. <laughs> yeah, you got a couple of days to to really pull yeah. it out of the water there. So yeah, but uh oh yeah, hopefully everybody's staying uh 
healthy or healthier than our house has been. I, uh, I, I pray that we're on the back end of that. And Jack does not suddenly start coming down with a fever or anything like that. But uh, we got a lot to talk about today. Um, the 2024 five tool 55 for the state of Texas is out. It's done. It's published. You can go to five tool.org and check that out. Uh, we broke it into two parts because uh, I ended up looking at how many pages of writing it was, and it was like 22 pages. So I was like, ah, probably a little too long for one. Uh, so it's a two-parter um, with going through and just kind of breaking the list of half. And really, it ended up being like almost a mini scouting report for everybody on the list and kind of an explanation about, you know, why we like them and their long-term outlook and that sort of thing. And and for part one, you know, I made, I made it a point to link back to our explanation about how we how we try to arrive at the process of coming up with a list and the sources we use and, you know, like the, the value of it just kind of explain like, you know, the balance between tools and production and player and talking to scouts and college coaches and travel coaches and high school coaches and, and really the, the genesis of trying to put together a numerical list. So that's all at five tool.org. And we've also got a just missed list, which, is is one of my favorite things to do because you end up talking about a bunch of really, really, really good players. And a lot of those guys end up making a jump. You know, I was looking back at um, our first uh, just missed a list for the 2023 group when they were juniors. And, you know, there's guys like um, Diego Lazardo on there, Easton Toomey's, and, and a lot mm -hmm. of guys that jumped right onto the 55. And, we didn't even know about an uh, Aiden Howard and guys like that. And he ended up being number six and Ethan Mendoza was a just missed guy and he's number four. So it just goes to show you that we've still got two full high school seasons with these guys. There's a right. lot of time for physical development, skill development, production roles change so much. You know, we're, we'll talk about some guys today that like, were kind of unheard of for the most part in just over the course of like a month, their total trajectory as a prospect changed. So, um, you know, stuff that I always try to hammer home with, with, with a, a list this early is that there's going to be some margin of error. Uh, there always is with things like this, because we're not gonna be able to see and hear everything there is to see and hear in the state of Texas, but also too, just because there's still so much time for these players and, uh, a lot of exciting developments still going to occur. And um, it's a really deep group. Um, I think our just missed list ended up being like 55-ish guys or something like that, who I all consider D1 or top Juco prospects. So a really, really fun group. And what we're going to do is because it, it we do spend so much time talking about these guys, we're going we're gonna to cut the list in half from a podcast perspective and basically talk about 1 through 28 today, another podcast dedicated to the rest of the list. And then we'll have one for the just missed list as well. And uh, once we wrap up talking about these these guys today in the 2024 class, we're going to run through um, uh, MLB pipeline, um, MLB.com coverage for the Major League Baseball draft and prospects release their uh, first draft prospect list for the 2023 draft and go through and talk about some of those guys that we've seen this summer. But uh, since there's no surprises, we'll go ahead and start at the top with uh, – with, with the first group here and um, leading off with number one, Kaysen Evans, right-handed pitcher from St. Pius uh, down in the Houston area. Number two, Cade Arambide, catcher from Tomball. Number three, Jack Frankel, right-handed pitcher and infielder from John Paul II. Uh, number four, Theo Gillen, a shortstop from Westlake. And then number five, Aiden Sims, right-handed pitcher, a two-way guy, utility guy, but mostly right-handed pitcher um, from Forney, committed to Texas A&M. Uh, Evans, at the time we published the list was uncommitted, 
Uh, he committed to LSU a couple hours after um, we published the list. And in no way am I taking credit for any of that whatsoever. It's just purely coincidence, but it was kind of funny. Um, but I, to me, you know, he, it wasn't a slam dunk one because I think Kate Aaron Bede for what he did at area code really established himself as a dude nationally in this class. But it was a pretty easy call at number one because Casey Evans has just been so good. It's the total package. It's stuff. It's pitchability. It's athleticism. It's performance. Um, he headlines a, uh, a strong group here in a group that, you know, we'll talk about this. A lot of injuries, you know, fortunately, no serious injuries, although Theo Gillen is recovering from a shoulder injury that kept him out of high school play basically the whole season and in the summer as well. But um, Evans was mostly just rest. Sim sounds like it was just rest. You know, Jack Frankel's kind of battled battle some things as well, which really made ranking this top of the list hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I think, you know, we've talked about it, you know, and you already touched on it some, you know, going back to last year's list from this year, uh, or all the way to this year for the 23 group. I mean, we had what, I think, was it 21 or 24 new people on the yeah, list? It was over 20. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, like, you know, I think it's important to note that there's, you know, a lot of development uh, still to take place. Um, injuries play a role. There's a couple of guys that would probably be on this list if they weren't injured and likely right. out for over a year. Um and, you know, like I said, everyone's on a different development curve. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, we're not married to anything. Uh, we'll take a clean look at the list and and make changes as necessary. So, like, by no means is this some um, finalized list for this group because they're, I mean, un- just like last year, there's going to be quite a bit of movement, I would have to oh, think, yeah. you know, just because of the physical maturation for a lot of people. And that's why a lot of kids will show up on this list that may not be on it or even on the just miss list at this point. But, uh, but you're right. Like this top, top of the, the class group, you know, the, the, the talent is obvious and that's what mm-hmm. leads us to bet on these kind of guys. And I think mean, you mentioned it, like, I don't think, you know, other than Theo, there hasn't been a proven serious injury of the group, right. but, but it is something that we factored in and it made it tough to really slot these guys. So, you know, the chance of there being a lot of movement at the top is definitely there. Um, but the talent from this top group is undeniable. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Evans is I really haven't ever seen him get hit or give up hits. I mean, it's, he can, and he can pitch too. It's not yeah. just stuff. He's not just a stuff guy. And then uh, Aaron Bide out at area code was arguably the best player at the underclassmen part of it. Really I mean, the, the tools are loud and he produced, you know, mm-hmm. he, he can throw, he can hit, there's power, there's hit ability. I mean, there's, there's all the total package there for him. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, we haven't gotten to see Franco a whole lot, but man, I mean, the stuff that you do see from years ago is <laughs> already really good. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, for all these guys, you just hope they stay healthy because they're such good players and you never want to see a young career derailed in any way. But um, then you, you talk, get to Theo, I mean, just a plus athlete, you know, he was already hurt when we saw him last year and he was kind of playing through it and tucking mm-hmm. through it. Um, but the, the actions, the athleticism, it, it, it's, it's obvious. Um, yeah. And then, you know, we've talked about Sims at length before. I mean, the guy, has really good stuff and really good pitchability and you know seeing him go to a guy like Nate Yeski is I mean yeah he's only going to get better um, right you know but, but yeah it's an exciting group for sure yeah 
Yeah, with Evans and Sims, you're talking about two guys that um, are going to have multiple pitches on a, on a pro scale that are probably going to grade as as future above average or, or better. I mean, probably multiple ones that might get some sixes from guys. Uh, and, and whenever you, you you see guys and um, you guys that that have stuff, but then there's guys that have stuff that can pitch, and I think both those guys are, are a little advanced. Uh, from that perspective. And uh, you got to see Sims at his absolute best. And I got to see Evans yeah. during the high school season, which was really fun. Um, you know, just, just seeing those guys like a complete game, you're holding the stuff, you're still making pitches, you're executing. It's it's really, really exciting. But um, yeah. And I always have to remind myself too, like my only look at Theo Gillen was when he was playing through that shoulder injury. So um, I haven't, I haven't had the, the, you know, fortunate, view of him like when he's fully healthy and you know from what i've heard it's like it's it's feeling stronger than it was prior to the injury and uh he's a great athlete and looking way down the road i think from the pro side I, I you know who knows where he ends up defensively i think it's gonna be in the middle of the diamond somewhere um but you know in the meantime he's he's gonna be one of the better shortstops um in the state uh from the high school perspective but man you watch the way he swings the bat and just how athletic and fluid and quick and and na- I mean it's it's really really fun to watch so yeah it was a little tough to to kind of sort through the injuries and stuff but we have to remind ourselves like you said there's two more high school seasons and the talent the tools the skill um you know from what we've seen are just really really high up there um on the list um Moving down, we're going to go to uh, number six, Braylon Payne, outfielder from Elkins, committed to Houston. Uh, Ryler Smart, left-handed pitcher from Pearland, committed to Tennessee. Uh, Wyatt Sanford, a shortstop from Independence, committed to Texas A&M. Uh, Cooper Williams, left-handed pitcher from Alvin, committed to Texas A&M. And then Saria Strosnyder, left-handed pitcher and outfielder from Brock, uh, committed to TCU. We spent a lot of time talking about Payne on the previous podcast, but just a fantastic Summer. I mean, three strikeouts and 53 plate appearances in our stuff. I know he was a top performer at, at various other events as well. I really felt like the skill in the athleticism really started to elevate over the course of the summer. We knew he's a really good athlete. We knew he's really talented, but all those things started to mesh and he really took off with his performance. Really exciting player. And I think Riley Ryler Smart's a fantastic example of like how much development can occur quickly for guys this age. Like nobody like nobody really knew who he was during the high school season. I think he spent most of his time on JV. You know, part of that is because Pearland's so good. And then in the summer, you kind of didn't really hear much about him. All of a sudden, it's just like this, he just took off. And Tennessee ended up getting some eyes on him and committing him right away. And, you know, talking to some people with the five-star program, they're not just bullish on his, his talent and his stuff. They love the makeup, love the makeup of the guy that's on yeah. the mound there. And uh, he's, I think he's still kind of just a baby to me. He's a big, big kid for his age, but he's got some physical maturation that's going to come too. And a uh, uh, really exciting player. We've seen Wyatt Sanford a lot. Cooper Williams is a guy I'm anxious to get some eyes on this upcoming season. A ton of projection there from the left side. And then Schno Snyder, like he, like, cause Brock played so deep into the high school season. I feel like we didn't kind of catch on to him until a little bit later in the summer because he wasn't playing in some of those earlier events. And man, he hits. He's super athletic. He's got a plus arm from the outfield, and he's pretty dang good on the mound as well. Yeah, I mean, he, he's a guy that fills up the metrics um, 
as well as anybody in this class. I mean, you know, we've seen 99 exit velocity. Um, he's in the upper 80s with ease uh, mm. on the mound, and he's running the 6-6 range. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's a pretty good physical profile, yeah. you know, for a guy that age, um, you know, super, super talented, super versatile player um, for Brock um, and really good get for TCU. Uh, going back to Ryler Smart, I mean, the one word that you hear about him over and over is competitiveness. Yep. Um, and I know Frank Anderson really covets that um, that trait for for his pitching staff. I mean, if you you, you got you're going to have to be competitive to pitch for Frank, or you're not going to last very long. Um, and that's that was a huge get for Tennessee to come in and grab him. Wyatt Sanford, like we said, arguably the best shortstop in the in the state. Um, makes it look easy. I think he gets penalized a little bit because of that. Um, Cause it just, he looks like he's playing a little bit non-aggressive at times because it's so smooth and so easy, mm-hmm. but man, he he's an exciting player. I really enjoy watching him. Um, he's going to be another guy that, you know, you can see playing early in, in the sec and Cooper Williams. I mean, you know, he looks like he's 12 and, yeah. and that's, that's a good thing in this in this uh, in this scenario because you can only dream on him. I mean, another guy, you know, ball of clay. We keep saying yeah. it for Nate Yeski. I mean, he's going to grow. Um, I mean, and he's a guy that if he matures physically in the next year or so, just from where he is now, I mean, he might be at the tip top of the list easily. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you just we you just haven't seen the physical maturation yet from him. Um, that some of the other guys have had so you just you just don't know but that's what makes this this stuff exciting um, and fun to track and you know he again just another tall thin left-handed arm for Yeski to to play with you know he's got he's collecting those guys and the chance that a lot of them pan out is pretty high with his track record yeah. but um, again a, a really good group a lot of really good athleticism but but good baseball players too I mean that's what this this part of the list we're still talking about guys that are, have the total package when it comes to physicality and, and talent but they're also we're still in a range where they also are good baseball players too yeah. which is which is says a lot for a group to be getting this deep and still being able to say both of those things yeah it's always exciting when you see young pitchers this age that have that height and length and projection but like the arm works as well as cooper williams's arm works i mean a lot of the times those guys mm-hmm. just take a lot more time to grow into their bodies and maybe you see it three years from now um but you're you're already seeing it with him which is you know why he's up there at, at number nine on the list because there's just so there's already so much presently that's exciting and, and productive in a really big way but the projection is is outstanding as well um, moving down to number 11 on the list, uh, Austin Phillips, third baseman from an infielder from South Grand Prairie, committed to OU. Um, Isaiah Castaneda, another Pearland guy, two-way guy that can play all over the diamond. Um, Sawyer Farr from Boswell, committed to Texas A&M. Um, didn't realize until the other day, uh, good high school QB1, too. He's got some good high school football film out there as well. Um, no Kyle Branch uh, from Lovejoy, second baseman infielder, committed to uh, to Oklahoma, and then uh, David Hogg, the second infielder from Mansfield, uh, committed to LSU. And uh, Austin Phillips, for me, was the guy that, like, at area code, I feel like really established himself as as a premier talent, um, not just in the state, but I think nationally, too. Like, 
he just wasn't from a mental standpoint wasn't ever overwhelmed by anything that was happening he hit really well um made solid contact repeatedly saw the ball well sl- slow heartbeat defensively made plays there and he's one of those guys and that that underclass team had a lot of those guys but like he just played the game like it was a like a game like he had fun competing yeah. you know there, sometimes you see guys get out there and not that they get tense or whatever, but you kind of look at their facial expressions. You're like, hey, you know, remember, it's a game. Like, yeah, you're competing. and Yeah, it's hard, but it, it's a game. And it's one of those guys who's had a smile on his face all the time and just like was like, oh, yeah, OK, see you in low 90s. Yeah, let's let's get in the box and let's see what happens. Uh, but I, I I really enjoyed watching him. I'm out in San Diego. We talked a lot about Cassian in the last podcast um you know far we've we've covered extensively i mean it just cracks me up we have like a three minute highlight reel of him from like one tournament like that's how good he was um bridge to me like we're we're definitely higher i think than than you know for lack of a better word the industry on him but like you watch him hit and then we saw him you know at uh the tsa event make a couple plays defensively and then run four two down the line it's like okay he's got some tools in athleticism too um, and tools and athleticism, I mean, David Hogg, I mean, it's, you know, it, it's good run, arm strength, power. I mean, there's a lot to like to bet on there with, with that guy as well. Yeah. I mean, I think with, with Hogg, he's a guy, I mean, you know, you look at an LSU commit and those guys are always going to get the benefit of the doubt when it comes to offensive skills, because Jay Johnson just has a knack for identifying yeah. those guys. Um, and yeah, you said it, the athleticism is clearly there. Um, going with Kyle Branch, I mean, he, he's going to be looked, looked upon along with, uh, Aiden Smith to lead a really good Lovejoy team. Uh, Kyle, you know, I mean, hit on the top of the lineup for a loaded Lovejoy team last yeah. year. Um, and, you know, I think he'll be able to step in over at short and take over for his brother who, you know, you see a lot, a lot of similarities between him and his brother. I think, you know, don't want to divide a family here, but I think he may be a little bit more athletic than Colby at this stage. Uh-oh. Um, but you know, I mean, <laughs> you're talking about splitting hairs right there because those two guys are, you know, the thing I like about both of them is they are, they just have baseball actions, Yeah, right? They just, they're baseball players. Um, and like we say all the time, that's one of the highest compliments that we can give, mm-hmm. but he's a mature player. He has good actions. Um, I know Oklahoma saw him and jumped all over him. Um, you know, that's, that's a good sign the way they've yeah. recruited uh, recently. Uh, Sawyer Farr, incredible athlete, got a lot of physical projection in there. Um, just fun player to watch all the time. Isaiah Castaneda again, performs on the biggest stages. Um, yeah. Versatile player, good baseball player, um, one of the ringleaders for that 24 group for the 12. Uh, Austin Phillips, you know, you talked about him at area code. What stood out to me, I mean, like he can, he's not, you know, I had, I had seen, I mean, he, he got a, he got a lot better from June to August. Oh yeah. Um, that Great That's point. what, that's what stood out to me. Um, you know, that sticks organization does such a good job. Uh, that, that 24 group is loaded just like the, the 25 group, 23 group. But I mean, he can play on the left side of the infield. That was yep. one of the questions that I had, but man, like, you know, we talked about it multiple times going from turf to grass um, and dirt can be, can be an issue for some mm-hmm. guys. And he did not have that problem at all. I was 
really impressed with how easily he handled that transition on the left side of the infield and then went over to first and played that at a high level too. Yeah. Uh, but, but you said it, he has fun playing the game. Um, and a lot of kids try too hard in that environment. And I, I don't put him in that category because he was just out there competing, having fun, making it look easy. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, you watch, I was going back and looking at some of the film with some of these guys and you do, you see those, those, immediate jumps and some of these guys when you go back within several months on their video like their their swings get better they get bigger they get stronger um and he is far from a finished product which is what makes him really 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 exciting player to to be able to follow moving forward yeah fun risk fun list for sure um you know it's it's a lot of tools and a lot of production as well. And like you said, yeah, Phillips just, you know, from the start of the summer to the end of the summer, he, he really elevated his, uh, his performance and his, his status. Um, moving down the list, number 16, uh, Sam Erickson, outfielder from Flower Mound, committed to Texas A&M. Um, Matt Scott, the second outfielder from Klein Oak, committed to Oklahoma. Uh, Park Prater, left-handed pitcher and outfielder from Argyle, committed to DBU. Um, Dante Lewis, the number 19 infielder from St. Thomas, uncommitted. Um, and then Braden Bergman, number 20 on the list, right-handed pitcher, corner infielder from Plano East, committed to Baylor. Um, Erickson is, is a guy that I, I'm excited to uh, to see more of um, and playing at the loaded Flower Mountain program. Um, them in Pearland, I feel like I like every 10 names I was doing research on was a Flower Mound or a Pearland guy. Uh, Erickson moved in from uh, from Wisconsin, I think, right before last year. Um, and there's just a ton of a ton of bat speed, um, athleticism, arm strength. He reminds me a lot of David Hogg. I think that there's a lot of similarities. The only difference is Erickson plays in the outfield and Hogg plays um, in the infield. But similar tools, similar kind of physical builds and, and you know, kind of have that explosive power element to their games. Matt Scott, the second hit, I think five home runs in the pudge. Uh, just was launching balls um, and then uh, went out to area code and just had a draw dropping display and batting practice and uh, really showed some exciting hitting tools. Um, I think that he's um, him and Prater and, and a couple other guys. Um, I think that outside the top 10, you know, if everything kind of clicks, you could see those guys really rise um, because there's just a lot of talent there and you see the bright flashes and Matt Scott certainly showed some bright flashes um, throughout the summer. And anytime you have a guy that can start showing that kind of power, it's it's really exciting. Um, Prater is another guy that's, that's had some injuries in the past, but like he was the MVP of the district as a sophomore at Argyle. Like that's, that's a loud statement for what kind of production and what kind of player you are. And I think he's about six, three, maybe six, four. You can add to the frame. Um, he's an athletic long strider. He can run a little bit. I like him, I think, a little bit more as an outfielder, left-handed hitter right now, but I've heard that he's been in the low 90s off the mound recently, too. So, like, he can pitch. T- take your pick, man. Yeah. Yeah. Take your pick with him. It could really go both ways. Dante Lewis, a guy that we both really liked at Area Code, uh, who's got some really fun um, quarterback film out there as well. He's a stud quarterback at St. Thomas. And then Braden Bergman is a guy we've talked a lot about. Um, made the all summer team for five tool with a zero ERA. And I think he only gave up something absurd, like three hits or something like that. And then he went to area code and sw- kept swinging the bat really well as well. So, um, but, but Prater, like talk about him a little bit, because I just, I, I think that the sky is the limit for that guy. And we, he's just kind of scratching the surface and already he's got a, a district, district MVP to his name. 
Well, I think the the easy comp for him for me is Jared Thomas. Um, yeah, that's, think, that's a good comp. And he he made that physical jump a year earlier than Jared did. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's a little like he reminds me of Jared as a senior right now. Um, I don't know if he's as fast as Jared was at the end, but but Jared wasn't as fast when he was a, a sophomore before he really started to get stronger. But mm-hmm. um, he he knows how to pitch, man. He can change speeds throws a lot of strikes and he's, he's one of those guys, you know, we talk about a lot that he, you know, they have to figure it out before they grow. Um, and then if they do and they can be competitive there and learn how to really pitch and compete and play, yeah. and then they get some arm strength and just physical strength overall, they can be a scary player. And I think part falls into that group. Um, and he's a good representation of uh, what, what DBU's kind of started to do on the recruiting front I used to feel like they would take a lot of like hidden gems um, late in the game and turn them into really good players. Well, now they're starting to get some of these guys that, you know, if, if they had waited around another year, they might be at a quote unquote bigger program. Yeah. Um, and, and I think a lot of credit goes to Cliff Pennington for that, but parks in that group for sure. Like he, he is a really, really good baseball player and he has a lot of room and a lot of projection left uh before he's a finished product but really really good player um like you said you you i i watched a video of him like kind of legging out a triple and that's when it kind of hit me on the jared thomas thing but similar strider uh tall and thin um good athlete can play center field can go track the ball down out there um going back to sam erickson he is really physical and really strong um and i'm really curious to see how how much that continues to to take shape because I mean, if that guy keeps getting stronger and keeps adding bat speed, I mean, you're going to, I don't think I'd want to play third base with him up to the, to the plate and the metal bat. Um, right. But really good athlete throws well from the left side, from the outfield. Uh, you said it on Matt Scott. I mean, he just flat out put out a show, put on a show um, at, in our event last year and was MVP. Um, just, just crushed the ball. You know, yeah. And, and that it was rare. It's rare for guys that age to hit that many home runs in game play. Um, and it, he just put on a show and he continued that through the rest of the summer at a lot of big events. I mean, the guy he can hit, he's athletic, um, a lot to like there. I mean, he's a guy that could be at the top of the list real easily. Um, Dante Lewis, really fun watching him, uh, out of area code as well. Uh, incredible athlete you know, big time football player. So I saw that he was up for Houston private school player of the year um, in football and which is unsurprising, you know, watching him move around. And, you know, I think his best, best baseball is definitely in front of him. Yep. Um, and it'll just be a matter of, you know, is, is he, I'm, I don't know if he's can, planning on playing football or how much that's going to factor into his decision for where he ends up going to school, but just an elite athlete, but really, really enjoy watching him play. And then Braden Bergman, you know, we've talked about him a lot. I mean, the performance he put on this summer was as good as anybody, uh, period. And he's the kind of guy that for Baylor, like he's a program changing player. Yeah. Um, and, you know, he's, he's a ringleader, uh, two way guy can do both. And like we said, we've talked about it before, but, you know, we knew about his pitching um, that gets a lot of the headlines, but man, I mean, he put on, I mean, his, his performance out in, in um, San Diego at the area code games is like, I mean, he can really, really hit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, that there's a, uh, there is a, there is a definite hit tool there and he is strong and he has an idea what he wants to do at the plate. So 
just an outstanding two-way guy that at some point is going to have to make a decision and may not be able to go wrong with either side of the ball for him. Right. Yeah. A lot of, we mentioned a lot of multi-sport guys in, you know, like we say, sometimes these guys later in their career, you really start to see the skill take off because they're just, they're accumulating more reps, you know, and, and they might not have all of the reps, you know, that some other guys their age have that might've just been specializing in, in one thing. I mean, Bergman was a former, you know, three sport guy, uh, which is really excited about his development, but yeah. And, and going back to Scott too, like he doesn't look like a, like he's still got some like physical projection. Like he doesn't look like you're hulking masher. You know, when you think of a guy that hits five homers in, in the pudge, it's just like, he's got some height, he's got some length, he's got some room to fill out. And I think that's why a lot of evaluators were so excited about what he showed from the tool side in San Diego, because they're well, from a future element. There's just a, a, there's a lot that you kind of like to bet on long-term. Well, I mean, look at his dad, his dad's a, a physical guy. Uh, I mean, his dad still looks like he could play. Yeah. So, I mean, he, he young looking guy, physical guy. And I mean, if, if you see him walking side by side, you're thinking, man, that he, you're right. He's going to get a lot bigger. Um, and just, <laughs> that's, that's a scary proposition for, yeah. for guys that are going to be playing him in the future. For I sure. got to tell Matt though, you take it easy on Klein Collins, take it easy on my tigers. All right. I know that park plays small because even I hit home run there <laughs> in high school. So I, I don't even want to know what you, what you do out there, but, um, moving down the list, we're getting to the, uh, to the catchers here. Uh, number 21 on the list, AJ DePaulo from Preston Christian Academy coming to Vanderbilt. Uh, Nathan Tobin, outfielder from Eaton, coming to Texas A&M. Um, Nolan Traeger, a catcher from Concordia Lutheran, coming to the TCU. Um, Andrew Ramos, uh, which I guess this will be this will be the last time Andrew Ramos is on the list because he announced <laughs> yesterday that uh, that he is moving to Orlando, Florida. So he'll certainly be one of the top prospects um, in Florida. But he checked in at number twenty-four on the initial list here. And then Ridge Morgan, number 25, um, like Ramos, is currently uncommitted right-handed pitcher infielder um, from Westwood, my neck of the woods down here. Um, that was uh, – I like him more as a pitcher, but he's he's got some juice with the bat as well. Uh, he threw the ball really well um, at the pudge. Uh, wasn't just a stuff guy. He could actually pitch as well. But um, DePaulo and Traeger, the catchers, I mean, guys that we both really like, energetic guys. Uh, DePaulo – I've seen him as fast as 4.2 down the line. He can scoot for a catcher. I think there's more um, there's more of that element to his game, whereas Traeger, I think there's more of a physical power projection long-term. And the really exciting thing about Traeger is, like, he's young. Like, I, I don't think that he's – he either just turned 17 or isn't 17 yet. So um, he's a guy that could maybe even be in the 2025 class when you start to think about his birth date, which is super exciting because – there is a ton of bat speed um, in that bat. And I really liked him at area code from a pitch recognition standpoint, like the way he commanded the strike zone. He took a lot of walks, um, definitely more of a walk than strikeout guy. His bat really started to heat up over summer. DePaulo plays with great energy. This is a fun guy to watch. Um, it felt like his bat got better every time I saw him. He was pretty good in the, the scout team as well, our TSA event. He had a couple of highlights, and then we've talked a lot about Tobin, just his bat-to-ball ability, his athleticism, his speed, a lot of projection there uh, from the left side, and a guy that Texas A&M made a move on uh, wisely uh, because I'm sure a lot of people are going to be in on that recruitment sooner than later. Yeah, I mean, the, you said it, talking about A.J. Um, 
the the one word that I always think about for him is energy. Um, mm. He just he never seems like he's tired, and you know he is because I feel like he plays in every event. Like he's yeah. always playing baseball, um, and he's always catching. Um, and that's you know it's durability and the ability to make it through a season at that position are so important. And physically, I mean, he's proven that he can do it. Um, and he's also a guy that you know he you talk about fit for certain programs. There's so many things about his game that just kind of scream Vanderbilt. Um, yeah. And they have a lot of high energy guys that are loud and commanding people around the field. And I feel like that's what he does, which is what you want from your catcher. And that's, you know, he won the catching award at the, at the pudge, which, you know, for us is about as high as achievement as you can get, but um, you know, really good arm strength, really aggressive, um at the plate and behind it um you know who's in charge of a game when he's playing in it uh you know we talked about nathan last time nathan tobin is really fast can really run and he's just scratching the surface of his abilities i think he's just finally starting to see and maybe even believe that he's as good as he is um and there's a lot more there too but the guy can just hit you know and with with that uh physical profile you know, he's got some sneaky pop. I mean, I know that's what really impressed the A&M staff when he was at their camp, but he just jumped on a ball and hit it out of the park and, and um, was able to handle himself really, really well with Wood against the best pitching in the country out of area code. And there's sky's the limit for him because he's got the tools. Uh, he's got the makeup to, to be a really, really good college player. Uh, I haven't seen Traeger as much as you. But one thing that always interests me is like these guys that have older brothers that play at big programs that are in college already. I always like to see what big brother brings home to those guys. So as far yeah. you know, I, I got to see it a lot with uh, Jaden Duplantier. I mean, I know, you know, Dre would take stuff back to him and, you know, just having seeing that work ethic and, you know, getting a jump start on some of the drills and some of the, you know, ways to carry yourself. I know that's something that's always interesting to me when it comes to these guys that have older brothers that play. So, that, I mean, that's same thing for Kyle Branch. I mean, uh, he's going to get to see what, it, what Colby has been doing so far in a college program. And you have a feeling that they're probably going to hit the weight room together over Christmas break. And mm-hmm. for some of these guys, like that's, you know, a lot of these guys that we're talking about already have good work ethics, but just for bro- older brothers in general, just kind of being able to pass that along, um, it, you know, th- that's something that's always kind of interesting to me because we had a lot, a lot of siblings when I was at Texas and you always felt like the younger brother kind of had a leg up. It, it's almost like going to that early summer school session for these guys. You know, yeah. they, they kind of know their way around. They they know some of the guys, they feel a lot more comfortable and confident going to college. Um, so that, that's something that I always think about with some of these guys that have the older brothers that play in college. Um, Ramos, I haven't seen him a lot. But I mean, what I have seen, uh, he's got a lot of talent. Shame for us that he's going to be going to Florida. Um, you know, it's interesting too, being uncommitted for him. You know, I'll be interested to see if some of the schools here continue to follow him and jump on him, or if he's more likely to move to some of the some of the Florida schools moving forward. But uh, and then Ridge Morgan's a guy. Um, Ridge Morgan's a guy that we we've seen that you know can really hit. Uh, like what he can do in the mound. Um, Going to be interesting to see him. We tried to steal him for our academic team, but he had a he had a conflict. But um, really exciting future for him moving forward too. 
The last three we'll talk about um, on the first half of the 2024 5255 in Texas. Uh, Kendall Johnson, outfielder from Little Elm, committed to Texas Tech. Jordan Stripling, left-handed pitcher from Highland Park, committed to Texas. And then Hudson Imaterio, right-handed pitcher from Argyle, committed to Baylor. Johnson, prototypical top-of-the-order kind of bat from the left side. Athletic, can run. But the glove, he was district MVP defensively, I believe, last year. And, you know, I haven't seen him a ton defensively because you can watch a guy, and again, especially those out those center fielders, they might get a ball in three games or something like that. Or, you know, they get hit a couple of balls that they don't have to really make a play on. Um, but people talk about him defensively like it's big-time premium uh, defensive ability in center field. Stripling is a uh, – I, I think that his outing at, at, uh, at the Pudge was kind of – encompasses who he is um, as a product. I mean, excuse me, as a prospect, he had nine strikeouts, but also nine walks. And there's, there's so much, there's like a, the, the, the ball of clay to work with, with him height and projection. And, you know, for a big guy, he's got some athleticism and the stuff and the spin of the breaking ball. Like there's a lot there that could really turn into just an enormously ta- good left-handed pitching prospect. So, um, you know, he's still got, again, two full high school seasons. But if it all comes together, oh, man, you're talking about a guy that could be a a, a really big-time prospect. And he, again, you know, he's number 27 on the list. He's already a really big-time prospect. But we're talking, you know, top 10, top 5 kind of thing with that type, that type of velocity and stuff and, and height and that sort of stuff. Um, and then Hudson Imaterio from Argyle, um, you know, two-sport guy, linebacker. Um, you know, for a big guy, I think he moves well on the mound, uh, multiple pitches for a strike. Uh, the stuff is really strong. And I think over time, um, because, he, you know, he, he does have that athleticism, I think the strike throwing is going to be there as well. Yeah, uh, going back to Kendall Johnson, I'm really excited to see him continue to play just because, you know, if Tech takes a guy that early, they have – a lot of intel on him. Uh, typically, Tech it does their homework and and sees guys that are a little bit off the radar, um, and they don't offer as early as a lot of the bigger programs do. But man, like when when you see a kid pop up, I mean, much like Casey Cunningham, like he you see a kid pop up on their radar this young, that says a lot to me. Um, yeah. And they just flat out don't take guys that that don't know how to hit. So that bodes well for him. Obviously, we. We talked about the defensive prowess for Kendall. Um, I've had the chance to talk to his dad, just awesome people. So I'm, I'm really excited to see him continue to grow and get to get to play um, for Little Elm um, and, and see that that team that he played on this summer, because I didn't get to see them a whole lot. But I mean, like you said, top of the lineup type guy, spark plug type guy can really run a uh, good baseball player. Uh, Jordan Stribling. Uh, reminds me a little bit of Kyle Muller at that stage. Oh, yeah, um, that's a good one, yeah. And, you know, I think, you know, Jordan's a big-time basketball player too, um, which obviously we love. Uh, there's some definite athleticism there. Um, and, and Kyle Muller was a little bit the same at that stage too, but he made that jump, uh, I think it was like junior summer, um, where he just became a big-time, big-time prospect. And he's a guy that, you know, like with the athleticism, you think that he's going to be able to get to that point where he is repeatable. And if he gets yeah. to the point where he does repeat things all the time, 
you're talking about a Kyle Muller type draft prospect as well. So yeah, just the physicality, the athleticism, the fact that there's so much more in there on top of already being a good player that's dominant at times. Um, there's that <laughs> he's an exciting pro. I mean, he's a guy that can jump into the top five almost overnight if he mm-hmm. when he gets to where he's a little bit more repeatable. But you have to think with the athleticism that he has and the stuff that he has, it's all it's all there. And it's just a matter of it clicking and uh, just taking that next step because he has a chance to be a big time, big time prospect. And then we talked about Hudson a little bit last uh, last episode. But, I mean, you know, we're 28 guys in right now to our list and you're still talking about guys that are going to be frontline starters at some of the biggest programs in the country. Um, But a a huge commit for Baylor and you put him and Braden Bergman together for this class. Like that's, that's a foundation that Baylor and Mitch Thompson can build upon. But uh, what I like about Hudson is he's got command of three pitches. um, Really, really impressive. And and like you said, he's a guy, another guy too. I saw early uh, in the season in a non-district game, and then by the end of the summer, he's almost a different guy. Um, you know, I mean, the stuff made, made a jump, the body made a jump, and there's still more in there. Um, so he, he's a guy, too, that's really, really exciting. That that Argyle team is going to be loaded again. Uh, got my guy, JC, at shortstop uh, for, for Park and Hudson to let them just roll over to when they're not striking them out. Um, and then Colton Rockmore's on that team too. So, I mean, like they're, they are loaded and they're going to make another run to towards round rock this year. And, and Hudson's going to be a big part of that for sure. Yeah. That Argyle team. I mean, it's, it's, uh, I have to remind myself a lot of time we're talking about juniors with some of these high schools because they, a lot of them often have really, really good seniors as well. Um, so he's certainly going to be going to be leading the way for him, but, uh, we're going to have to table the, the draft prospect to the next episode um, because uh, our roofer is is here and uh, he's going to start jumping like right, not jumping, but walking right above me um, okay. on the ceiling. Um, just just an, just another day, you know, like like we've got some the ceiling just kind of started turning a different color. It looks like there's water standing there and things like that. So, you know. Just ne- just never ends around here. So we'll pick up with uh with the draft prospect discussion on on the next podcast there. But um that's half of the 2024 five tool 55 in Texas. Uh, again, you can go to five tool.org and check out all of our, our published content there. Um we've got the two-part breakdown for the list and also a very, very extensive just missed as just missed a list as well. And the fun thing about doing this is, you know, for Drew and I, it ends up we end up familiarizing ourselves with gosh, nearly 300 players just going through this process. So it affords us the opportunity to really kind of know a lot of players inside and out, but also too, in the future, when we're talking about coverage and things like that, you know, I know we take a lot of pride in trying to shine a light on those uncommitted guys. And there are a lot of really, really good, good juniors um, that, that remain uncommitted there. Um, I feel like more than usual. So uh, it's be fun for us to over the course of the next few months really dive into those guys, cover those guys, give those guys some love and things like that. So, um, you know, a lot of baseball ahead uh, for these guys. But um, well, you got any big? And to, well, let me let me uh, piggyback on that a little bit. Like, I got a couple messages from some people asking about, well, what about this guy? What about this guy? Um, and you know, I in, a lot of them end up on that just miss list. 
Um, and like we said, like 21 or 25, I don't remember, 21 or 24, the guys from the first crack at the 23 list uh, were new this year. So, you know, hey, give us feedback. We want to hear it because we we haven't gotten to see everyone. Yeah. Um, we definitely haven't gotten to see everyone the same amount. So if you have people that you think, you know, that you think belong on this list, tell us. Like we, yeah. we want to know because – we want this list to be a compilation of what people think are the best players. And, you know, we're going to miss some guys um, just because of the sheer numbers. And, you know, if like, we don't, we haven't gotten to see everybody yet. Um, so if you have a strong opinion about some guys, send it our way, give us feedback, uh, good, bad, ugly, whatever you think. If you think we're dumb, tell us. <laughs> and, yeah. Uh, tact- tactfully, of course. Yeah. Tactfully, yeah. But, um, but also, I mean, yeah, send it our way. Cause we're, you know, we're not going to get our feelings hurt. Uh, if if you disagree with us, because yeah. that's what makes these lists fun is they're supposed to generate some discussion. And, you know, we want to hear about it because we the, the thing we want to do the most is give an accurate depiction of what we think is out there. And, you know, like you said, we, we don't get to see everybody the same amount. So if you have some feedback for it for us, we want to hear it. Um, and you know, don't, don't be afraid to send it our way for sure. And plus too, like I, with every one of these, I think we show that, you know, yeah, it, it, we'd love for everybody to play in our summer events, but um, if you don't, we're not going to hold that against you. You know, it's it's obviously a little bit easier to see you if you do, but, um, you know, there are plenty of guys on here that, you know, some of them don't even play in, in five tool stuff. Like, uh, we hope that you do, you know, it, it'd be nice. Yeah. You get really good coverage and, and, uh, and things like that, but uh, we certainly don't we'll definitely know. have more video of you. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. It'd be, it'd be nice. We'd have a, quite the video library for you. Uh, but we don't like, we don't hold that against guys. Like, you know, on our first list we ever did, Jet Williams was number one, <laughs> you know, <And> Jet, <laughs> Jet Williams played, you know, for the East Cobb Astros a lot, you know, it, the, the national circuit as a, as a, as a uh, summer guy. So um, yeah, don't think that we we hold that against you in any way. Although um, the more times you play in our events, the more opportunities we're going to have uh, to see you. So uh, you got any big weekend plans before we get out of here? No, it, it it's only Wednesday. Oh boy, it felt like it felt like at least Thursday or Friday. Um, we might do another one of these by the end of the week. Who knows? Well, at this well, point. my my childhood best friend will be in town Saturday, so we'll get to see him. Nice. Um, was. We're planning to go to the uh, Texas Stanford basketball game on Sunday, but that's a little bit up in the air based on some uh, some of friends' plans for being in town as well. But we'll see. So that that was on the original docket. We'll see if that ends up happening. Oh, and uh, four year anniversary is tomorrow. Oh, I, I'm glad you, I was, you snuck that one in. Well, I was uh, reminded last night when I asked. Um, we had plans for Thursday. So oh, <laughs> man. Glad you yeah. snuck that one in there. Ooh, we would yeah. have had to go back and edit like a taped portion and and, and all of a sudden I there. have some more errands to run. <laughs> yeah, you better get to those errands. So uh well, thanks for tuning in to uh episode 93. You can follow us at five tool pod on Instagram and Twitter uh to check out the podcast and of course all of our five tool coverage. Um, it's all over the place, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, all the regional networks as well. We're going to have a preview upcoming next week on a podcast, uh, previewing our Hawaii Salon event, which is a really, really cool event. We do that out there in Hawaii, just so much fun and exposure. Um, we don't get to live it in person. Um, you know, maybe, maybe one time we'll just kind of weasel our way out there. 
to go cover it, but a really cool deal that we do out there in Hawaii, giving those guys some love and some promotion and things like that. So we'll have that next week. In addition to the second half of our uh, 2024 list podcast, just missed lists and draft prospect stuff. Uh, a lot of things we'll be talking about in the future. So, um, but until next time, take care, stay safe. I hope you have better luck than I do and better health than I do right now.